as we read the Word of God. This is Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Good morning. My name is Mitchell O'Brien, like Brian said. Uh, Brian, you're lucky. I don't have a story to get you back with. Um, But it is good to be here. Uh, For those of you who I don't know, I think there may be four or five of you, uh, I would love to meet you after our service this morning. Uh, It is great to be here with you this morning in a place that means so much to me. Uh, This is where I grew up. This is where I ran around and, uh, and disobeyed my parents. This is where I uh, ran and hid, and, uh, and so it's great to be here this morning. Today I want us to take a look at a topic that I have wrestled with uh, for, for quite some time now. Prayer is a beautiful gift uh, that we've been given from our Father. It is it is a way in which we communicate uh, with him and to him and he with us. It is what helps to maintain our relationship with him. Uh, it is the, this way that we allow uh, ourselves to express how we're feeling, uh, to express our desires in a way that transcends our earthly communication. Just as there are several ways to communicate uh, there are also several ways to pray. Uh, Over the course of Scripture, we have seen several of these kinds of prayers. Prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of healing, prayers of requests, and prayers of hope. This morning, however, I want us to look at another type of prayer that I've begun to refer to as a scary prayer. This is the prayer that we pray when we know what we need, but also know we probably won't like the way it's answered. In other words, we know what we need isn't necessarily what we want. Our text this morning comes from the story of Gethsemane out of the account of Matthew. 
where Jesus demonstrates what this prayer looks like. Before we get into our text again this morning, I think it's fairly safe to assume that Jesus was a great teacher. Uh, And like all great teachers, he used his situations and his surroundings as a way of teaching. Uh, And it is this situation that he is in that will again become a teaching tool. While this prayer was most certainly used as a way to communicate his desires to his father, he was also showing his disciples another way to pray. Now, if you'll allow me, I want to set our scene for us. We see Jesus walking in with his disciples as he leads them into the garden. They've just come from the upper room where they've been fed and their feet have been washed And so they are walking in after dinner. It's later in the evening, but it's also the rainy season. It's also late in the spring. And so I'd imagine that there is a stillness in the air that precedes a storm. And I think it was fitting that we had a storm last night and this morning. Uh, And the garden is unusually silent. Birds are quiet. Bugs are silent. Even their feet, as they walk through the leaves, make no noise. The twelve of them walk in with only Jesus knowing the true reason why they are there. After they have walked in a ways, he tells them to pray and keep watch. He then takes Peter, James, and John in with him a little further before telling him his soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He then instructs them to stay where they are, and to keep watch with him. Now as his friends watch him, he goes off by himself a little further and begins to pray. It should be important to mention that earlier in their time with Jesus, we don't know exactly how far uh, this was, but Jesus has already shown them how to pray once. He gives them what we've now called the Lord's Prayer, where he tells them this is how you should pray, and he models that prayer for them. Just as he taught them how to pray then, he's teaching them how to pray now, or is attempting to teach, as we will see in just a moment. His prayer is full of agony, as he knows what is about to happen, and yet there is also a beauty in his words. In his words, we hear not the Savior of the universe, but a son talking to his father, asking begging for another way to achieve that which has been set out before him. Listen to these words again from verse 39. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is showing us through his own agony that prayer doesn't always result in our getting free of a situation. Often, and I'm guilty of this as well, we use prayer as a get-out-of-jail-free card. We think, I've prayed for something, so it should happen. I don't want to go this way, so I'll pray about it, and then I'm, I'm free. I don't have to do that. Jesus is showing us that that's not always the case. That sometimes the answer is to go forward, not to turn around and go back. I've called this prayer a scary prayer, Because of those last nine words, yet not as I will, 
but as you will. When we pray for things, whether it is for healing or for safety or a change in life, we don't like to put a clause on what we want. We know what we want. So how can there be anything greater than that? How can the very thing that we don't want to have happen be exactly what is needed? When we act like we know what is best for us, we take the place of God. By saying we want his will and not ours, we allow him to continue to shape and mold us into the creation that he desired us to be in the garden. We must have faith to know that he knows what we need and when we need it. We need to have faith that even when he doesn't remove the cup of suffering, he is still in control. Now, I don't want you to hear me say that we will always go down the tough road, that life will always be obstacles and roadblocks, because it won't. He does lead us into a peaceful valley, but we must also be willing to be led into the valley of darkness in order to enjoy the peaceful valley. Some of you are aware, uh, but back in October, I was asked to resign as the youth minister from the Altamesa Church of Christ in Fort Worth. Well, I can see that it has been a blessing to rely on God over these past ten and a half months. I didn't always see it that way. Over the course of these past months, I've interviewed with several churches. I've met many teens, many families, many elderships. There have been many days and nights where I have prayed that I would get an offer from every church that I interviewed with. However, even as I was going through this interview process, I began to feel a tug on my heart that I was praying a safe prayer. That I was praying for that certain job in that certain city because it was safe, it was secure. I knew how I would function. I knew what the routine would be like. I knew who I would work with and what they were like. It was safe. How could this possibly be a bad thing? Because the moment that I knew what was best for me was the moment that I subconsciously told God, I don't need you anymore. With each rejection, he began pulling me back to this passage, to this prayer. Not so that I may be, be spared pain and death, but so that I would remember what it was like to trust in him. Allow us to return back to our text. Jesus has just prayed the first time. And he returns to his disciples and finds them sleeping. He wakes them asking, how could they not stay awake for even an hour? There have been days when I haven't been able to stay awake for an hour. So I, I have no, no judgment towards them. But he also tells them to pray that they may not give in to temptation and to keep watch. Watch what? The stars? No. It's the rainy season. There are no stars. It's cloudy. No, I believe he was wanting them to watch him. Remember, he was, among many things, a teacher. He knew that there would come a time when they would need to pray a similar prayer to the one he was praying. And he wanted them to have the knowledge to pray that prayer. He is also teaching us how to pray that when life doesn't happen like we want, that that's okay, that there are still ways for God to achieve his glory. 
You know, the Bible is full uh, of stories of men and women who, who tried to pursue their own agenda uh, instead of pursuing the one that God had laid out before them. Uh, there's a, a man that keeps coming back to me. Uh, you may have uh, read his, his book, uh, Jonah. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with his story, I would encourage you to read it. It's relatively short as prophet stories go, uh, but I would encourage you to read it for yourself. However, I hope that you will allow me to give you the, the shorter and condensed version. Jonah was a prophet who thought his way was better than what God had designed for him, even though God knew exactly where he needed to be when he needed to be there. Where Jesus prayed for a different outcome and ultimately followed God's will, Jonah removed God from the picture entirely. Jonah ran away to a port town to jump on a ship and get as far away from God as he could. He knew that he did not want to go to Nineveh, so why would God send him there? Why would God deliberately send him to the one place he did not want to be? Again, God knows what is best for us, especially when we don't know ourselves. Jonah did his own thing and ran from the will of the one who sent him before ultimately going anyway. See, that's the, that's the other end of this, this prayer. We have to be willing to fall in line. We have to be willing to, to admit that God's way is better than anything we could imagine. Once we begin to, tra- to pray and truly ask for his will, we can see the ways he is providing for us. As I've been dealing with looking for a job, there have been many blessings that have come through this that I wouldn't have experienced if I had gotten an offer immediately. I'm not saying I'm not looking for an offer, but I've enjoyed the blessings that have come from not getting an offer immediately. When we allow God to shape us in His time, we are strengthened by the strength that comes from him instead of on our own merit. I hope that as we've looked at this text that you've been able to see the beauty that can come from praying a prayer that is scary, a a prayer that has an unsure outcome than the one that you were looking for. If you need prayer this morning or would like to put on Christ in baptism, there are ministers and elders who would be ready to receive you as we stand and as we sing.